Linux Games Podcast. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam. Brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux. And beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course. Features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, Spiro friends. Welcome to uh, episode number 461 of The Best Linux Games Podcast. Be recorded for you on this Friday, the 8th of September, 2023 at 192500 hours. Crack Engineer, I Melina over there in the booth. We have a lot of show to cover and a short amount of time to cover it in. So, Ivor, you're fired! That's the fire... It's the fire bell! Meaning we are out of booze. Cheers. Drink, drink, drink. There, good. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends, the followers of the One True Time and Day format. 2023-09-08-19-2600 hours. PM, left coast, Pacific coast, coast with the most. Straight to our top stories. Well, we didn't have time to come through the 2000 games, 2000, I think, 2030 games this week for uh, our promised feature, our 2000 game feature. Um, we're going to try to get to it next week, but as a teaser, I can offer you this this helpful 
math expansion uh, format for what you can expect from our 2000 Games episode, which spans 10 years of Linux gaming, which is absolutely fucked in the head to even contemplate, because like, I cannot fucking believe this is it. So if you're hearing this and you're younger than fucking 30, then Jesus Christ, you need to get the fuck away from me. But uh, also, tomorrow you'll be fucking, yeah. 10 years, man. 10! 10 years! So here's what you can expect from our 2000 Games episode. Whereas we did, I think the top 100 best Linux games uh, for our 1000th game episode, which seems like it was just yesterday. Couldn't, you know, statistically, it would fall, like, about five years ago, but who knows. This year, what I want to do for the 2000 Games episode is I don't want to select the top 10%. I don't want to select the top 2%. I want to select the top 1% of the best Linux games made available over the last 10 years. That would be 20 games. 20 games out of 2,000. And in terms of servicing, providing the broader community, I guess, with, um, you know, regardless of any, whether or not anyone finds this podcast to be of great utility, I mean, our numbers have never swelled, but we never expected them to swell. It's a fucking, we're best links games podcast, motherfuckers. You know, we cover a niche industry. Um, but I think that this would be a very valuable landmark kind of contribution to the community. So if you have any suggestions, jump on our Discord. Uh, you know how to find us. Uh, you know my name! Look up number! But yeah, we didn't have time uh, to come through all 2,000 games to come up with the, this this type of list requires a lot of fucking work and if you have your own suggestions, please feel free to drop by our Discord and, uh, you know, ping me with them um why did we not have enough time? I've been writing my fucking ass off uh, it's unfucking believable, it's like a fire hose it's, and fingers crossed it keeps up, I expect to have this book done uh, or at least a well, like a third draft done by uh, Halloween. Also, further eating up our time, when you write like 10 hours a day, it, it, it eats up your time quite a bit. You'd be surprised because that's almost half of 24 and 24 are the number of hours in the day. So that leaves you with uh 14 and at least oh one to three of those hours need to involve sleep so that leaves you with 11 so anyway that's your fascinating math facts for today from a guy with this calculator friends and neighbors so the other thing that's been dominating my time has been Baldur's Gate 3 and discovering that realistically my friends and neighbors although the game is fantastic I mean for real it's it's 
it has yet to impose a frustration upon me that is greater or more onerous than my ardent desire having been hooked so deeply as to complete just the next thing just one more thing mom one more thing you know it's it's fucking cool it's very cool no wooden cutscenes could ever fucking deter me but I've discovered the true nature of the real enemy lurking inside of Baldur's Gate 3 and spoiler free the real alert the real enemy the real enemy alert enemy alert dive 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 is the camera. The camera is the real enemy in Baldur's Gate 3. Once you get to Grimforge, you'll start to understand what I mean, but the game takes on a very frustrating metagame of frustration wherein you attempt to navigate your camera to where you can see various members of your party so you can adequately control them and or understand where they're placed in space or time at least on a you know pseudo three-dimensional 2d uh uh projection of a grid square oh my god oh my god the camera is bad in grimforge it is fucking horrifying but the level itself the actual map itself is so ambitious in certain ways that you'll find yourself enjoying all of the ways that you have to actually hack the adventure you know you have to figure out what you're going to do and then it gets uh, you know harder as you progress from there on out which leads us to our final top story before we get to our feature our feature this week, by the way, our chef would like to uh, inform you, is a uh, delicate repast of um, consisting of the entire history, more or less as I see it, of the hollowed out corporate multi-tentacle monstrosity that survives in name only underneath the masthead of Bethesda games, but that's the softworks. We'll get into that in a moment. But, ostensibly, to make it palatable for you, uh, we've decided to to deceptively to deceptively and nefariously mistitle uh, our feature this week as um well, okay, on my notes, Ivor, you're fired. On my notes, on the rundown here, it says, why... Starfield, a history of why Bethesda sucks, but in the show notes for this week's episode, as you may have noticed in the title, it is titled episode 461, Starfield, a Bethesda retrospective. I want to take us through a little psychotic journey as fast as possible, because I only have 20 more minutes left. 10 more minutes! Isn't that right? We'll get the case! We'll get all we'll get the fucking case! Isn't that right, Ivar? Um, but I do want to note that in Baldur's Gate 3 news, uh, three nights ago, I finished part one. <laughs> It took only 70 hours of actual gameplay and 30 plus hours of character creation plus another 12 hours of just sitting stoned listening to bum 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 
Which, hey, I'm a sucker for cyclical treatment of the main motif, motherfuckers. What do you want? It is a fantastic score. Speaking of fantastic scores, let's get straight to our feature so we can babble at length about all of our precious memories of Bethesda Game Studios. Punch him with it, Ivor! Punch him in the nuts! Cock punch him! Cock puncher engage! Oh my god! It's Bolivian! Never gonna let you down! I can read your mind! This week's feature! I can't read you! I can't read you! I can read your mind! Take it, Scooky! Alright, so let's get straight to this before we get into the meat of the entire history of Bethesda, more or less. I mean, we're not gonna... This is not... This is more of an impressionistic... It's a lived history for me. But let's talk about Starfield, which is like the latest and greatest and there's a ridiculous controversy about... Oh my god! They allow you to fucking... No, I wore... You're... You... You're not fired. I've always just apologizing to me over the headphones, which I don't wear, but keep in my butthole um, at all times so that I can, you know, vibrosonically pick up his, you know, urgent entreatises for mercy and etc. Most of which I ignore. Um, but uh, he just uh, messaged me apologizing. No, there's nothing to apologize, Ivor. Apologize for Ivor. Four by four, four five or four by four. You do not need to kill yourself again. You are fired, though. Doubly fired now. So, Starfield proudly builds itself. I'm going to read directly from their copy here. Starfield is the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda Game Studios, the award-winning creators of The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, and Fallout 4. Developed by Bethesda Game Studios, published by Bethesda Softworks. We will not make any distinction between those two companies and organizations for reasons which you will completely understand by the end of this. But what we're going to do before we walk you through like our experiential history of Bethesda Softworks um, and their many, many, many titles over the course of like 15 minutes, I want to give you my first impressions of Starfield which they say is the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda Games. Which should set off alarm bells. It set off alarm bells to me, which is why I had to write the history. This, you know, impressionistic history. I did do some research, but it's more or less an impressionistic history. It's a lived history. 25 years? Really? That, that, that number, like, says something to me. It says, when you put first new... And then followed by 25 years? That says you suck. But anyway, 
So what is Starfield like on Linux? It sucks on Linux. Um, I had to roll back. I'm just speaking from personal experience. Lots of people on ProtonDB have had a, it seems like they've had no problem getting it to run. I had endless problems getting it to run. And eventually I had to roll back my graphics drivers to, uh, NVIDIA graphics drivers to 325, um, which is like three fucking iterations ago. It's like the last one before, you know, Nouveau. Um, which is always the last one. So you got like four options. I was at like 335, I think, which I had problems with in some games. But whatever. 330, I think, is the like the best one. But this game will not open or start. It will not load into fucking game mode. Um unless if you're like me, I'm running a Linux Mint operating system with a 4090 um yeah, NVIDIA 4090 graphics card so if you're like me and you have problems getting this game, I returned this game once already this week and then I bought it again do not buy, so anyway, it looks like shit it does not look that great the graphics are not that great Beyond that, the game frog marches you through for the first hour. That's as far as I got. Because like, I have other shit that I need to do and other games that I want to play that require me to switch the graphics drivers completely exclusively for this one fucked up broken game. Because everyone, it's, you know, all the rage. Already the the reviews are very positive. And I, I'm sure that many people love this game. And, you know, I will play this. I will play this game. I will kill him. Came out September 5th, so three days ago. Um, very positive reviews. 30,083. Uh, 30, very positive reviews. Uh, of those reviews, you know, whatever. Those are the total number of reviews. So let's talk about those are my first impressions. Is are the environments that great? Um at 325 graphics where I can't even fucking run like you can get a steady frame rate on a 4090. No, the game looks like shit. The game performs like shit. The game frog marches you through point to point, fetch quest, fucking tightly fucking map fetch quest beacons um, and then you black out and then you get to create your character and then that's kind of where I was last night so my first impressions are I am far from overwhelmed however I do love that it's pissing off people on the internet if you watch the internet today or whatever um, other YouTube streamer um, channels <laughs> there is some amazing video of people flipping the fuck out over the fact that the game offers you the option to select your pronouns, which I find particularly amusing because another big game, a bigger game called Baldur's Gate 3 basically allows you to do the same thing, and no one freaked the fuck out, and who the fuck are you to give a shit about a game fucking asking you for we're not gonna go into that controversy, because I don't give a care I, I, I don't give a shit I don't care about it at all. It's not a controversy to me. It's just you look like a fucking Neanderthal idiot when you bitch against oh, I want something totally immersive and then they fucking hit me with the pronouns. 
Yeah, you know, uh, pronouns exist throughout all language. You know. And uh, all it takes to not be an asshole about it is just, oh, you know what? Have that fucking epiphanic revelation. Oh, you know what? I just realized. Oh, Scooby Sprout cast mind control spell on me and I can actually wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm making a big deal about fucking pronoun. I'm sorry, bloke. Oh, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. It's not really that hard for me to fucking penetrate all four inches of fucking retard skull. No offense to mentally disabled people. Um, oh, for me to just actually treat you with like, the respect that I expect you to treat me with. Oh, Bloody hell! I'm a moron! Oh, I'm so sorry! Let's have a group hug! Because what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding anyway? But anyway, if you have not seen those videos, that, or that video of that guy flipping the fuck out, it's worth the watch just for the laughs. I mean, but you gotta remember, these people walk amongst us, and it's like, man, you are such an asshole. <laughs> you know, you can't see... <laughs> You're just such an asshole. So anyway, I have a long and torrid history with uh, Bethesda Softworks and uh, Game Studios and other, you know, blah. They they started their career, you know, they started their career in uh, 1994 with uh, Elder Scrolls Arena which I think is the first Elder Scrolls game. I played it a little bit. I did not like it. Um, but then in 2002, they came out with a game. They came out with many other games in between. It's it's they, they were prolific publishers and developers. And first, so like the whole uh, new universe, quote unquote, in 25 years which did set my teeth on edge, is actually kind of... uh, It's kind of true. Whatever, we're not here to fucking... It's not... We're not here to directly fact-check fucking promo PR campaign fucking bullshit from a fucking company to, you know, discern whether or not they're actually factually inaccurate. It does not matter, really, because gamers will fucking play and they've spent 25 years fostering in a nefarious way the gaming audience that they now hold captive. I didn't like their aggressive treatment back in the day um, of fall of the Fallout universe uh, that they that they presented in Fallout 2 um, or Fallout 3 I mean I thought it was a regressive step backwards from the from the interplay property of Fallout 2 that they, you know, they, they had consumed and they spent four years fucking making it and it was, you know, it was okay in terms of the story, but I absolutely hated the ending and it was not true to the design ethos of the franchise that they had, uh, acquired via sheer capitalistic, um, monopolistic uh, you know they bought it cheap they bought the franchise cheap and then they built a game that was really good but was not as good 
and did not live up to the actual franchise, which, again, is a theme that seems to be dominating this month. So perhaps I'm off base. But anyway, here, here are my contentions. There was, other than hating the ending, which is a static ending, there is no way to avoid the ending or change the ending, unlike in Fallout 2, which was amazing. There's something more than infuriated me. Saying only to the shit factories that pump out like, you know, Call of Duty and Modern Warfare games, Bethesda led the charge against their own design ethos after they had perfected it. And that really bothers me a lot. Because in 2002, well, in 1999, ZeniMax bought them. So Bethesda has only survived as part of ZeniMax subsidiary thereof, and if you don't know anything about ZeniMax, ZeniMax is a fucking evil shitbag corporation that has done a lot to ruin a lot Any, it's like the eye of Sauron anywhere it turns its focus, you know most things turn to fucking shivering piles of gelatinous goo smoking from their boots um, and they've been an overwhelmingly corrosive force in the game industry for the last 20 25 years actually almost that's ZeniMax so when I say that in 2002 the Elder Scrolls franchise and Bethesda as a developer reached its zenith with their greatest game in my humble opinion Morrowind a game without level caps without caps for spells in which the only limit between you on your Xbox and brewing a potion so powerful that you could launch yourself literally across the game map and have it have the physics and everything try to struggle through those frames and then bam right before you could see the land coming up and you fucking cast you know feather or whatever slow fall or whatever the fuck and you had to have it like you had to have a massively boosted potion to fucking even make that work and bam you touch down light as a feather as opposed to crashing your brains out after jumping across the entire game map in one jump from one potion or one scroll and not being limited because in Fallout 2 you were not limited but in Fallout 3 you were but anyway, not not limited with level caps level caps are cheap fucking they are garbage they are le garbage even though Baldur's Gate 3 which does run off the Dungeons and Dragons rule set does have level caps at least there like I know to expect level caps Morrowind had no level caps and that made that game the best because you could do such shit you could complete quests in lots of different ways um, lots of lots of the structure of the game was maze-like um, in terms of like the actual environs it was unique though and visually uh, distinct from every other place like you could learn your way around these enormous fucking temples with hundreds, well not hundreds, but like with 15 different locations in terms of shops and different quest people and stuff like that, all in this beautiful architecture and then you could jump your way out and you would learn where the fastest ways to jump out were um it was a fantastic game, it was it was an absolutely revolutionizing role playing game in fact the pattern for almost every role-playing game that's been released post-2002 has in some way, at least in some way, 
benefited from all of the advancements that Morrowind brought into full being. It wasn't the prettiest game. It ran on Xbox. It ran on Xbox Live, too, but I don't think I ever played it on Xbox Live. I played the living unholy fuck out of Morrowind on Xbox, though. So, that's 2002. So, what is the design ethos of these guys who have now modernized their Skyrim franchise into a controller-based, which was revolutionary at the time, all of the fucking detail and lore and and uh, interactiveness and, and awesomeness in a first-person shooter on a controller-based platform, Xbox, the original Xbox. The design ethos was open-ended. The design ethos was unlimited gameplay. The design ethos was epic storylines. The design ethos was no level caps. The design ethos was no spell caps. The design ethos was let's let them break it. The design ethos was we want them to remember this game forever. We want to give them the most amazing story that they've ever played with all of this lore that you know that, that we're going to write in all these locations and all these powerful spells and we're going to make it hard as fuck and we're going to make it confusing and difficult um, in terms of like because there's a thousand different ways you can solve everything so it's like we're going to leave this up to the player we're going to trust in the player and we're going to shrink this all down into a gamepad sized controllable product which was revolutionary so it was the pinnacle by far of their game design chops and that happened in 2002 now it's okay if you don't if you haven't already created a formula for perfection or you know near perfection because the game wasn't that great looking I mean especially not by today's standards I mean I, I, I don't think they've ever done a, Mero, a Morrowind remaster I still have the original map that came in the, came in the case or no, I actually yes, no, I don't. I get uh, I do not have that map. Like, I don't even know if there was a original map, but there was one for Skyrim, and I still have my Skyrim one. Anyway, it's one thing to turn against the prevailing trends of game design if you're like a new and up and coming developer, or you have a different take on you know the role-playing game, this, you know, talking about early days, like 2000, 20 years ago, 2002. Which, by the way, I have to note, for fact's sake, um, for the sake of facts, actually, 2002 is Morrowind. That's 21 years ago. 1994 is Elder, Elder Scrolls Arena which they made several sequels that's MS-DOS era still and they made several sequels of that but the original universe came out in 94 where are they getting this 25 years number from I don't care in particular because I know that they don't care and this is why you should care because they don't 
Um, literally, that's it, it's emblematic of their entire design ethos going forward. So, it's one thing to like you know steal from like the best at the time and then like kind of ruin the formula or fuck up the formula or add your own twist on the formula that you know could be a plus and a minus depending on you know who who ends up playing the game and what their predispositions are and their prejudices and their biases for or against you know that type of design ethos but it's another thing entirely to turn directly against the design ethos that you perfected the absolute best way to make a game it's another thing to turn directly against that in favor of profits by setting a new standard in visually mind crushing in terms of graphics but unbelievably regressive in terms of as a sequel a direct sequel to Morrowind four years later they came out with Oblivion and this is where they worked in concert with a lot of the other major publishers because Zenimax uh, bought them in 1999 Morrowind was the last game that the actual studios completed and then they fell slowly underneath the domination of the Zenimax corporate ethos so they weren't about making games or about making money anymore they were about actual market strategy at this point and believe me I know I was at that E3 um, and they came out with Oblivion which blew your fucking mind that game was absolutely gorgeous. It redefined what a... And reigned for a long time, for over... Oh, man, well over a decade, for me at least, um, as the reigning champion of the best-looking game that I've ever played, uh, graphics-wise. But Oblivion, while it was, like, fucking magnificent to look at, it turned fetch quests into not just a religion, but a dogma. Like, it turned... It's a lazy, fucking shitty dogma. Lazy fucking religion. And so then, when they came out with Fallout 3 in 2008, two years after they finished Oblivion, after having owned the um, rights to the Fallout universe from uh... Uh, what? Not in teleplay. What the fuck? God damn it. Interplay. You know, the rocket around the golden world. Makers of such all time, unbelievably groundbreaking titles as uh, Fallout 2. Hmm. It's been four years after that intellectual property, ping-pong back and forth between Bullfrog and play it, whatever. 2006, they release Oblivion, the second Elder Scrolls game. Then, 2008, they release Fallout 3. And Fallout 3... <laughs> Fallout 3 was an okay game. 
there are, there are things that I remember from Fallout 3. I beat that game many, 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 many times. Uh, I beat Fallout 2 at least at least 20 times more than I beat Fallout 3. But I beat Fallout 3 like a motherfucker. Because it was a love song directed to my childhood and playing on my sympathetic feelings for the franchise and after having only accepted uh, you know recently because Bullfrog backed out on a on a bid to buy to buy and revive it's been going on with the Fallout franchise and the Wasteland franchise since the era of DOS actually because that's where Fallout finds its truest origins it's in Wasteland um but I never played Wasteland 1 and I never played Fallout 1 I tried to but it was so buggy um Fallout 2 actually ran for me on my computer and spun a song for me the likes of which I had never experienced in a video in the form of a video game before and that's why I still say although it's subject to revision on the next edition Fallout 2 is the greatest game ever made Fallout 3 is not the greatest game ever made. It is a very awesome realization in a sense of what the world experienced previously only in like, you know, demi-isometric three-quarters based rotatable camera uh, turn-based combat kind of scenario with dialogue trees would be like if you could combine the magic of turn-based combat and aiming and granular types of attacks with actual first-person real-time combat in a single-player format. It did so, however, by discarding all of the design ethoses that ha- all the... Ugh, almost all of the ethos that it originally guided Fallout 2 to become what I still regard as one of if not, I still technically, it still is on my list, the best game ever made and Fallout 3 did not outbest the game that they had fucking four years to prepare to outbest, in fact they reduced it they shrunk it, they made it stupider instead of trusting more and more with what the player could do and do with the expanding technology technology they shrunk it because they were afraid they were afraid like they were afraid of Morrowind which they had seen could be played for seven years without anyone tiring of it and they adopted the Call of Duty path and he and thus Bethesda became the flag bearer for we will make our games stupider, more repetitive, simpler, easier to understand, more linear, more metered in terms of gameplay, more relying on more and more choke points because we can reuse the same engine, basically just design for a song, you know, some fucking new geography and run the same adventure again 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 expending no new outlay beyond like a modest 
pity, uh, 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 penance in comparison to the marketing budget and all that came, all that became important then was the amount of playtime metered across the years. So, like every two years, they could come out with a new game that was exactly the same as the old game. And this is the pattern that Bethesda under Zenimax followed. The ultimate, and so that's like the ultimate sin. And so for me, their failure was finally completed in 2010 with the universally um, acclaimed, but which I regard as an absolute travesty of a game passed on from developer to developer or team to team. It's hard to tell, and I don't give a fuck. I judge the result, not the fucking note card. You know, when I go when I go to a museum and I look at a piece of art, first thing I I look at is the fucking piece of art. The last thing I look at, no matter how long I spend looking at the piece of art, is that fucking note card. I love it when the note card is like biographically fucking scarce. I love it when it is just that fucking museum style, you know, three by three, four by three note card has you know, the artist's name, maybe the date, maybe the medium that they used, and maybe a sentence or a quote, a biographical feature. But that's it. And that's the last thing I ever fucking think of. When I look at a fucking piece of art, I judge it for the art. I don't give a fuck about who made it. who the fuck made it and how they made it does, in some cases, ultimately factor into how I judge the merits of the art, but it's only in a small fraction of a percentage in comparison to how I judge the art as it presents itself to me. Understand? So... For me, Bethesda, Bethesda's ultimate sin against man and God is completed in 2010 with the... I mean, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. And all my friends love it. Um, I think that they love it because they are younger. And that's okay. I don't begrudge them their love. And I don't begrudge them their, their opinions, even. But I do challenge them to make an argument more convincing than my own which is based on the merits, the 2010 universally acclaimed travesty that was Fallout New Vegas. A game so big that they didn't even bother to put any effort or any design resources into the infinite soggy maze oozing center that would become the hub of most of the game past the midway point. Um... Is a maze of shitty pixelated Doom era textures of the fucking ungodly travesty that was McCarran Airport. It served as the, the yeah, like I said, it served as the the uh, urban urban rubbly, blurry, repetitive, low resolution, dark incomprehensible, muddy horror of Fetch Quest Central. 
for that game after the exposition, there's no way to get to beat that game, and I've never beaten that game because of the travesty of McCarran Airport, because it's like, oh, yeah, we ran out of money, and so we just fucking put the worst textures you've ever seen in any video game in one of the most complicated, fucking inscrutable, dark, horrible messes that's gonna be your fucking home for the next 60 hours of the game. Like, no thank you. So, but does as many sins are not just written down in, you know, like the absolutionist terms for me. They are, like, they're manifold. They, they stack and they cascade across eras. <coughs> and in every, every turn of the wheel, every turn of that cascade, the stochastic damage that they've done has been rewarded instead of having been punished. The market has rewarded them, the critics have rewarded them, and the public has rewarded them. And they have grown fat and lazy. Now, in 2020, here's an interesting thing that you may not know. Zenimax became no more. They were bought by Microsoft. They are now part of Microsoft uh, X Game Studios or whatever. Um, they survive a name only. They have joined a broad menagerie of franchises, games, and companies that helped to pioneer uh, basically everything that we know of as video games, if you go back as far as I do. This includes the entire id id studio, um, many other franchises, Wolfenstein, all of that shit uh, goes in there. Uh, machine uh, whatever. Anyway. All of these development companies, they were purchased for $8 billion, by the way. Um, are now owned by X Game Studio or whatever. Microsoft sub-affiliate. Which actually is an improvement over ZeniMax in a lot of ways, but who knows? Who knows? So Fallout New Vegas was not just bad, cheap, lazy geography and it was more than just cheap level caps and this is really what typifies my description of Bethesda's ultimate failure as it survives as a zombie corporation underneath now the Xbox studios which is fine you know Xbox there's a lot I like Ori Ori came out under Xbox um you know Trine I think Trine is an Xbox studios game lots of you know I'm not bagging on, I mean, I hate Microsoft, but that's, you know, I can divorce myself from the art that is produced. What I see when I see someone bragging about our first unique universe in 25 years, I see an invitation for criticism. For real criticism that is for far too long I was ostracized by many people. I lost friends over New Vegas. I stand by my... Tell me the game doesn't suck. Tell me that McCarran doesn't suck. The fucking 30 hours you have to spend in McCarran. Tell me that those look good. Look into my eye and tell me that those looked good to you. 
Tell me that it was easy to navigate or fun or challenging to navigate instead of just fucking unbearably monotonous. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. Everything else about that game I loved. So, don't piss in my pocket and tell me it's raining. So when I see a fucking shithouse like Bethesda bragging about how it's their first new universe in 25 years, and I see the tepid response of only 30,000 people willing to pay the $70, that's for the minimum edition, which is what I have. There's a ultimate edition, digital premium edition, that's $100. Only 30,000 very positive reviews in three days. They are obviously banking on every fucking mindless fuckwad to just buy the game. Give us your fucking money. Here's your game. So, what is the legacy? The legacy, and we'll get, you know, I will play this game for 20 hours or more. I don't know if it'll be done by next week, but we will, we will do a review. So, the legacy is not just bad, cheap, lazy geography, not just cheap fucking bad level caps, not just fetch quest perfected and refined into mind-destroying horror of fucking micromanaged no free will fucking idiotic story-destroying narrative-destroying action-destroying, game-destroying mind-numbness but it's an absolute betrayal of the medium that they themselves have pioneered and their cancer has spread across the industry for me this culminated ultimately in Skyrim which is a game that I beat four times and we'll close with Skyrim I beat Skyrim four times and uh, you know with almost 100% completion I don't even know if there was a completion thing but uh and one entire uh, one entire one of those playthroughs was devoted exclusively to alternating controller turns with my girlfriend at the time in spite of how much I hated my original playthrough I wanted her to see the genius of what I thought was a really cool story and also to experience the fun of Skyrim, and she loved it. She was, she, you know, she was an RPGer, and so like, you know, it was so much fun. We, anyway, I, I, yeah, and so Skyrim brought all of the Bethesda touch, quote unquote, into sharp focus, make the game very pretty, driven by the same shoulder and trigger combinations that characterized its pseudo medieval combat with multiplicity of options in terms of you know, spells and equipage um, heavily inventory based, the level caps firmly in effect the graphics also firmly in effect and off the charts as if like, you know, throwing crumbs to fucking peasants in fucking revolutionary France the fetch quest endlessly stupid and stupider and stupidest and any fucking replay value that could be squeezed out of the game strangled and held in, as if in hostage for years until like the game could be really modded on, on PC um, the progression thoroughly neutered 
like so that you cannot have spells that can get you to certain places that you want to go. Um, adventure thoroughly neutered, and worst of all, the story relying on time travel, which in retrospect now is like the cheapest, most bullshit, stupid story ever. And who learned from this formula? Well, that would be Valve. Valve learned a lot from Sky from Bethesda, and Bethesda learned a lot from Valve. Never write a real story. Never really make a game. So let's return to that idea of the uh of standing in a museum looking at a piece of art. Only half of the canvas is covered. The rest just fades away, abandoned into sketch, obviously unfinished, which is an insult to you who paid full price to see a completed work not of a sketch but of a completed work and no amount of biography can undo that that degree of reputational damage especially once you flood the market with incomplete work work that is designed specifically to dumb itself down to null nullify the intellectual aspects of your fan base and adherence to build instead of new games successful franchises that can be more easily replicated simpler and stupider and prettier all the time it is the most regressive movement in the entire history of video game design and while it has resulted in you know moments brief moments of particularly glorious insight memorable experiences I, I do not regret having made um, my ex-girlfriend who I will not because I never came up with a code name for her I, I don't regret trading off controllers with her for a month um I have some fond memories. I don't regret Fallout 3. And I have some fond, unique memories of that game, too. I have infinitely more memories of every game other than Morrowind from Fallout 2, which was a real game. And which Bethesda Softworks has been, and Gameworks and Game Studios and whatever, in name only, that they survive in as to the present day underneath currently the Microsoft banner I have no attachment to this ungodly beast this idiot factory that it has become so we will see Survivor in name only since Enemax bought them in 1999 and then Microsoft bought and dissolved in spite of an antitrust lawsuit that was ongoing at the time, but has now evidently fallen by the wayside. 
uh, because we are content to have multinational, monopolistic, securities, antitrust legislation defying vertical integration across our telcos, media companies, game companies, and etc. And Starfield can't even run on 4090 without me having to roll back my drivers. A shape, the shape of things to come. Should you let it. We'll have more on the game uh, next week. That's uh, our show for this week. We only went 30 minutes too long. Uh, and no, the game is actually, it's not fun. Um, I only did the the just a little bit past character creation. It looks like it's trying to be um, No Man's Sky, which is another game that can go fucking die in a fire because they betrayed Shiva. They betrayed their own trust that they made, their own pact that they made with their viewers, with their players. But it's so much more toxic and corrosive when you consider the overall impact that Bethesda and Zenimax have brought into being and have ushered into being in terms of the last 20 years of gaming. So I would not put Starfield as the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda Game Studios and no one liked Fallout 4. All right. See you next week. How was that? How do you like them apples? Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farm. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to see. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. The place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. After receiving the host, marauding choir boys, half drunk on the blood of Christ, stalk unwary pensioners and seek havoc. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. 
to subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer. Or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.